This podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, spoilers, and some brief nudity, so parental guidance is suggested. We have such sights to show you. After about five minutes of this movie, you're going to wish you had ten beers. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? Oh well. La di da, la di da, la la. Yeah. Welcome back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I am one of your hosts, The Vern. Uh, Ashley Urock could not make this episode, as I will explain later. Uh, but right now. I have someone here that is just as beautiful and sexy as she is. I've got Jim from the Film Rich Podcast. Hello, Jim. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I feel like it's my birthday right now and you're like Marilyn Monroe <laughs> Cindy Kennedy. I tried to sound even half as sexy as, as Ashley, so, you know. <laughs> hey. And I, I still didn't come close. You did, you did pretty good, Ashley, all right? You, know. <laughs> you felt some movement in the forest? I, I very much so. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show, man. Uh, l- listeners may recognize Jim uh, from our Dawn of the Dead episode that we recorded uh, several moons ago, but thank you for coming back. Oh man, this is this is one of the best days of my life. Anytime I get a chance to talk with you about film is like a great day. Yes. Thank you so much. And yeah, please check out the Film Rage podcast um with uh Jim Brace and Murray, just three wonderful gents and I love hearing your conversations on movies and even though I may not agree with all your views on movies, I just still love your conversations, and it makes me want to appreciate movies in a different light. Like, your review of The Whale made me want to go revisit that one again. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. You know, because hey, some, sometimes we see a movie, and even if some things don't connect with you, you listen to a review that goes, hey, you know what? I just never saw that aspect of it before. I will go check it out again. And who knows? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like, um, film <clears throat> film for me, you know, I know you watch a significant amount of film also. Like, there's people who, their life is film, right? And, you know, so many, so many external factors can affect how much you see and feel from a film. So it's funny, a friend of mine, uh, who's, who's actually a supporter of our, our podcast, Philip, he, uh, he had a him and I had a conversation actually just on the weekend watching a film that we recently reviewed. So, um, Megan or me M three Gan, and uh, he had mentioned that he's always prepared for the movie he's about to see, and I thought that was an interesting comment because I'm never I never prepare myself for the movie I'm about to see. I always go the way I go, and then I let the film be absorbed in whatever state of mind I'm in. So, you know, like, let's say I, uh, I got a divorce and then went right to see Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> it might be a different type of film or sure. you know, let's say I, I was in a car crash that very morning. And then that night I watched drive or crash, right? It's like, yeah, that's true. 
you right. kind of you put a lot of your own you know, personal, I guess, insights into seeing a movie when you watch it because you yeah. want to investigate in the characters for that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I do that sometimes. Other times I'm looking at as me being the character. Sometimes I'm looking at, especially with the movie that we're reviewing, I'm looking at as an outside character, like someone tried watching these characters interact. Um, I do the same thing with like early Neil Boot movies where you're kind of like watching these characters interact. Like, oh, I'm not part of these characters. Or a lot of like, you know, like John Waters movies. Oh, I love John Waters. I do too. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, but his uh, extended group of characters, it's like, huh, am I part of that film? Although if Sis would be demented, yeah, I will be part <laughs> of that horny crew right there who could not release. Dirty Shame? Oh, Dirty Shame, yeah, that too. Oh, I haven't seen Dirty Shame in like years now. Oh, I gosh. Know. That's another one I try to find. Because I don't think that most, and we're going to get into the conversation too because Crash is rated NC-17. And it's not easy to find. That's one of the reasons why Ashley, uh, our co-host, could not make this episode. Um, because she doesn't have a DVD or Blu-ray player. So there's no way for her to actually watch this movie. And I try to look online. It's, it's, especially here in the States, I can't find any streaming centers that oh. have this movie available yeah. for rental and so I, I didn't ask her to be on the show just because there was no way for her to have access to this movie. So, sorry. Is she, is she afraid to come to your house? Is there a, a fear Oh, no, it, it's, it's not that. Uh, also, too, she lives, like, very far away for oh, me. Yeah. And with her job and taking care of her kids, it's just really difficult <laughs> to try to plan a time to come over to watch a movie and things. And so, yeah. And plus, I have other roommates here too, so it's just yeah. But it's I think Crash is one of those movies you kind of like want to watch, kind of by yourself. And plus, this isn't a movie that I want to have like friends of mine watch with me. And it's kind of a weird thing. What? I know, right? But it's it's not that. But I think if you're at home, you gotta either be by yourself or maybe in a theater. Like if Crash comes to theaters. I will take Ashley to see the movie because you're kind of stuck there in a theater and you have to like watch it. You can't really be distracted by anything else. So I would probably do that. Yeah, it's, I definitely would. um, Well, no, I see. (laughs) This is where you and I, as much as I, you know, like it's funny because you make mention that, you know, don't necessarily agree. There's a lot of things that we have very similar tastes on. Like I, I know the content of movies that you're watching from the old times, those are all the films, like the fact that two random people could be huge John Waters fans, Dawn of the Dead fans. You know what I mean? Like, sure. There's, there's a there's a bunch of stuff that you and I just connect on so deeply. Oh. But it's 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 funny. I my belief is that I try to push. Like, I am kind of like a persona in John Waters, that a uh, John Waters film, because I'd like to push people always in every discussion I have and in every interaction that I come with in every film that I get people to watch to stretch the boundaries of who they are as a person. And sometimes, you know, and I just love to observe it. Like I'm one of those people that just love to observe a human car crash. And I don't, I don't mean that, I kind of mean that more metaphorically, but 
it it's like people need to sometimes be pushed outside their boundaries because the, everybody sorts of walks around the earth living inside this box and i think that's a significant reason why there's a lot of strife and and anger and and war and just misgivings between people because if you can re try and relate to somebody on whatever level that they're coming from it's so much easier to be able to interact with them if you know what i mean sure yeah because you want to like uh try to see things from their perspectives um yeah i just, i i know that you and i have like a lot of similar um uh lights and especially when it comes to movies and whatnot crash is a movie that i mean i've known ashley for like over like 20 years and i know the first thing that she'll say after the movie's done like Vern, that was weird that was a weird-ass yeah. movie, Vern. Why the hell did you have me watch that? That was the most really fucked-up, weird thing, all right? Like, I know you're some kinky shit, Vern, but come on now. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's fair. Like, I still need to have her watch, like, Titan, because she just oh. knows about the girl having sex with the car, and that's yeah. all she knows about the movie. I'm like, no, the movie goes into much more detail. That's just, like, a small little nugget. It's not even a big, long scene that happens. Everything about Titan happens after that moment so yeah I'm, I'm sure i think we'll probably have her do like maybe reaction watching videos to like strange cult movies <laughs> well that's that's kind of like our our boy murray right like bryce and i come from a space of weird yeah both from sort of different because i'm a little older than bryce but i come from like i come from that john waters era and uh and Bryce comes more from the horror side of it. Like I'm still a big horror fan, as I know, as I know you are. But it's, it's, it's funny because I was always more into alternative cinema because I was involved in the film industry to sure. a lesser degree. So it it kind of puts you in that more independent mindset. Whereas Bryce came from a, a space. He's you know he 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 absorbs as many films as I do in a year, which is significant. And um, and you know, but yeah, he comes from a different place there. But Murray comes from a place. He's a he's a passionate film lover. Mm -hmm. But his he is he, we call him the everyman. Like he he is that that guy walking down the street. That it's like if it's mainstream and it's for dudes, Murray's gonna love it. Sure, you know what I mean. So <laughs> half yeah. the time when we push Murray to see movies, it's it's sometimes just to see how he how he's affected by it. And you know I gotta admit. Since we've been uh, kind of pushing him to watch some some pretty weird content, he uh, he's he's actually grown a little bit as a person. So I've, yeah. I've kind of accomplished. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, it's always good to make people grow and whatnot. Um, now, before we get into our conversation about David Cronenberg's Crash, this important question I asked all my guests: uh, What is the very first David Cronenberg film you saw? I think it's got to be the. Hmm. It's either got to be Scanners or the Brood. It's 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 got to be one or one or those two. Okay. I'm trying Would to remember when the Brood came out. Brood yeah, was so, like seventy nine. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure it was the Brood. Okay. Because I had um, a friend of mine, like my best friend in sort of junior high, entering high school. We were huge horror fans at the time, and we used to get Fangoria and the whole the whole 
you know, because comic, the horror, horror comics and everything of the late 70s. And I remember the episode that we got, I think it was Fangoria, because there was another there's another magazine that also came out that was also about horror. And I saw the, I saw the, the whole, you know, special effects and, and, you know, body horror that, that Cronenberg does some well. And I was just like, this is the most incredible thing <laughs> that, that I've ever seen in my life. Like I thought to myself, it, I have to see this movie. I have to absolutely see this movie. And so we worked really hard to get to see it, and we finally got to see it. So, yeah, I'm pretty positive it was it was The Brood. Because, you know, Scanners comes, like, out a couple of years later. Yeah, like, 81. But, yeah. I and, know that um, was, like... And that one. That was probably his first, like, big popular one that he did, um, you know, before The Fly and whatnot. Uh, the Brood, I did not get to see until many years later, and that was... Quite the head trip. I mean, you talked about Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> yeah, this is Cronenberg's version of Kramer versus Kramer. Very much and so. It, it's still my favorite Cronenberg film. It oh, just, it's incredible. It, it's just like the kids that are in it, the the body horror with her, her when she's giving birth to the world. Well, it's not giving I'm trying to stay from sports yeah. at this one. But if you don't yeah. know about The Brood, it's about uh, this woman's anger and rage manifests into these child killers these children who are killers in a way that's all i'm gonna say yeah yeah it's a, <clears throat> it's a pretty good summation of it for sure yeah it's and in my opinion it's one of the like he picks character actors that are beyond amazing like oliver reed in that is just so so brilliant so brilliant I think that's the other uh, Criterion edition that I will pick up here soon will be The Brood, because that was actually Ugh. quite the cool thing. If they made up a 4K version of that, I will definitely put that up. All right? Yeah. Well, this is the moment of the show where we give a quick little break for ad spots and sponsors. Jim, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Have you heard? Have you heard about a company called Newsly? Yes. You have. Yeah. Yay! Well, for those out there that don't know about Newsly, it's an audio app for your iOS and Android phone, where you can now have the entire web read to you. So instead of like using your eyeballs like a sucker, you can actually have the web read to you in a natural human voice. Uh, Stop scrolling, start listening, go to newsly.me, download their app, and if you use the promo code RECALL, you get a month free of their premium service. So, big shout out to Newsly for sponsoring us. Thank you. And our other sponsor that I have to mention really quickly is ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is a secure tunnel between your computer and the internet, and it's a great way for you to view content in other states. Um, so I probably could have used ExpressVPN uh, to get maybe a rental copy of Crash for my co-host if she would have time to actually watch the movie. But again, ExpressVPN dot, ExpressVPN.com slash pod get three months free of their premium services and 
this moment right now where we're going to take just a quick break. I'm going to play some ad spots from some amazing podcast shows, and we will be back. Again, me popsicles, and welcome to season two of Science Fiction Remnant. Go ahead and grab your multipass, a drink, and sit back with us and geek out about sci-fi. Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. And hang around to the end of the episodes for the real-world science that was inspired by your favorite science fiction. Let's do this. Let's talk about science fiction topics in books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Audible, GoodPods, or whatever you listen to podcasts. You can catch the video pods on our YouTube a month later. And don't forget your multipass, you me popsicles. Science Fiction Remnant is brought to you by the hashtag ThisIsSciFi. No capital cuties were harmed in the making of this commercial. Ba-ba-ba-ba! Hi everyone, this is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiature shut up, here. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I wonder shut who up. the cat can God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the credits. Hi again, everybody. Sim Recall back here with Jim of the Film Rage Podcast. Did I lose yes. you? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love how every time you're like, I'm just listening intently to every word you say. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, he's left He's left me for another podcast. I, I was thinking of that too. All right, you clicked on the link. Our show this week is David Cronenberg's Crash. Now, Jim, where have you seen this movie before? Where? I saw it when it came out in cinemas. You saw the... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Opening night, I saw this in cinemas. (laughs) Okay, so you watched it because you're a major Cronenberg fan. Um, Oh, yeah. Now, I know that this movie, it had a special award at Cannes because I remember the trailers for this movie when it came out. And they had to invent some sort of category because, let's be honest, this probably would have won... The Palme d'Or. Um, I just knew that Francis Ford Coppola, who was head, I guess he was one of the like main judges yeah. for the Cannes Film Festival. Yep. He didn't like the movie that much and tried many different tactics to not have it win. Yep. So I guess every other voter liked the movie. So, and I, I actually had to look this up here. Uh, for originality, for daring, and audacity. Yeah. Ah, I don't even know where to really be kind of begin with this movie because I know the first time I watched it, I remember renting it on video cassette. Yeah. 
And during the time of the late 90s and NC-17 movies, I'm thinking, all right, well, I'm going to see some hardcore sex. <laughs> Same thing with Showgirls, too. I'm like, all right, I'm going to see just a lot of, like, this is going to be near X-rated. I'm like, sweet. I'm not going to see, like, a bunch of, like, penetration and scenes like that. And... That's, so you're thinking you're getting porn, but then you you got Cronenberg instead. I got Cronenberg <laughs> instead, yes. And I was not expecting anything like I was seeing before. So I know the first time I watched this movie, I did not quite understand it. Because listeners out there who don't know what Crash is about, I'm going to do my best to kind of give you a short little description of it. Um, it's about this couple played by uh, James Spader and De- Deborah Kara Under, and they like to, I guess, hear stories of each other having sex, and they are just trying to do more with their sex life. Like, sex between these two is just not doing it enough. Um, so much so that they have to uh, describe having sex with other people to each other. And then... One night while driving, James Spader's character gets into a car accident with Holly Hunter, and her husband dies, but in that moment, they're in the car, she rips open her blouse and shows her titties, and then he's in the hospital, he meets a guy named uh, Vaughn, played by Mr. Casey Jones himself, Elias Cortez. Sorry, I'm calling him Casey Jones. Yeah, I always thought his name was pronounced Elias Cotius, but Cotius. Thank you. You're you're probably right. Cotius. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. No. I I don't know. I, don't, I can barely speak English. You know, like. Uh, but he's involved with Elias Cotius, and he has this group of fetish seekers, thrill seekers, including uh, Roseanne Arquette, and they are this group of people that get really turned on with car crashes. And I know Vaughn likes to reenact famous car crashes of celebrities. And uh, James Bayer's character, uh, James Ballard, which is ironically the same name of the author of this book, J.G. Ballard, he gets more and more involved with this group, and he tries to get his uh, girlfriend, played by Deborah Carr Under, involved in these uh, wild scenarios. And it's a movie where the sets scenes are a part of the plot. Like, each set scene that happens... Um, builds on the characters. Like, the characters' motivations, uh, the character development happens throughout the set scenes. And I remember, like, listening to uh, a section from the commentary that David Cronenberg had, and he was mentioning that, you know, in most set scenes that happen in movies, it's, like, a separate thing from the story. But in Crash, it's an important part of the story. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, Jim. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> the 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 human body is kind of crashed, for lack of a better word, into the entire format of this film. Like you can't separate the car crashes, the sex, the human body 
comparably to the actual bodies of cars it's just all part of this one theme and and on top of that you know that there's not a there's not a ton of dialogue in this when you think about it like if you think think of the amount of scenes that are just visual in this film it's it's probably quite significant compared to the amount of time they're actually talking. I, I noticed that when I watch it for the first time, and a lot of viewers who watch it for the first time, they're going to notice that all the dialogue in the movie seems to be kind of like cold and distant. And I know I wrote this in an earlier review of this movie. I mentioned that the characters behave somewhat like robots, like, yeah, well, I, I think they're, they're I think it's because they're all so damaged, right? Like they're sure. all they're all kind of living inside their own heads, and the the car crashes, uh, the scene where um, Holly Hunter is it okay that I say this now? Yeah. Okay, so there's the scene where they're all kind of back at Elias Cotius Vaughn's character's house or condo or whatever. Sure. And they're watching videos of car crashes, and. <clears throat> they're having problems because the tape player's not having has having issues. And to me, this kind of sums up kind of the character development of all of them in this. Because Holly Hunter's character, she's she's sitting there watching it, and she's she's get she's just like so anxiety ridden because she didn't get to see the crash of this specific scene. And so it was like she couldn't get past it. Like her life couldn't move forward until she was able to see that crash. And then, of course, through that process of her getting to see the film as it as it was and they're all sort of being supportive of her and uh Rosanna Arquette's character kind of goes you know like it's okay we can watch another one but like she just as the film was able to open up and allow her to interact with the the visuals and the atmosphere of that crash she she moved from releasing her rage and just and softly kind of falling back into the couch where she started to, you know, uh, basically masturbate the two people beside her. Like it was yeah. just one of those scenes in the film that I was just like, <clears throat> there's so many scenes in this that when you watch it, and again, if you just watch it one piece at a time, it's, it's not, you're not going to really get to really feel the entire, like it's right up until the very end, which I won't, I won't spoil that for anybody, but right up to the very end where uh, James Spader's comment to his, his wife it, it's like okay like you, you oh. go on this journey and then you're like okay so this is the ultimate goal right like and, and you can feel it through the yeah like this this movie every time i watch it i see something more and new and it again i like to see films that change me as a person this film changed me yet again every time i see oh 100 percent. like like this before i know the first time i watch this movie I'm looking at, like, all right, well, I'm going to see these characters get into some, like, really kinky sets involving cars. Like, people having sets <laughs> on top of cars. I expect, like, uh, like maybe a, a car chase. Yeah. With people kind of, like, fucking on the cars and stuff right there, but yeah, that's yeah. not at all what happened. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, I, I kind of do, I try to put myself into the lead character's shoes. So I'm watching it. I'm, like, being James Spader. And I actually have been in few car accidents before. And I know that when I had my first serious car accident, I watched this again. And I'm thinking, you know what? When I got hit by a car, I did not feel any 
sensual excitement. But then again, these characters, especially uh, Deborah Kerr Unger and James Spader's characters, you have to understand, at the start of the movie, they're kind of, like, bored by sex. Like, yeah, they're, they're motivated. They're motivated to, to, to grow and change. And like you say, they're, they're bored with sex. They're bored almost, like, with each other. Yeah, and... Right? I think this this uh, crash that happens uh, gets them more involved with each other, and they're able to like connect more than yeah, they were and, before. And she, he's like, <clears throat> he's been through an experience that she hasn't been. Like it's almost like their relationship is they're both they're both wanting to have the same experience. It's like there's a there's couple times where they're having sex i think one of the scenes and she turns to him and she says well did you did you come or did she come Mm -hmm. right like it was like it was like it was like they want to make sure they've both experienced the same things because they bring it back to their relationship and their own sex and they're completely driven by sex their 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 motivations their drive everything is based on sex so it's it's it kind of goes to to their evolution that, okay, it kind of makes sense, right? And and maybe to your point about, like I've been in a few major car crashes too in my life and it's not, <clears throat> that moment of the car crash itself, It's st- there's still a moment when that happens, that something happens to you that changes you again, right? And depending on where your motivations are, it's kind of like, you know, origin stories of superheroes, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you know, um, if, if you're... If like Spider-Man gets bitten by a spider, and so he becomes more of a spider, right? So this they're motivated by sex. So the car crash kind of evolved because that's the that's who they are as a core and how they're how they're motivated. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I I, I yeah. They're more like motivated. They're able to like you know grow a little bit more because uh, during uh, especially after they meet Vaughn, uh, there's a sequence uh, when both. Uh, characters are having sex in bed and there she's asking him to talk about uh vaughn and yeah. want to know about his body parts and you know yeah. how would you have sex with him and i have a feeling that you know this couple you know have tried other things before with either sets and yeah I'm, and even that didn't seem to make them grow anymore like i'm pretty sure they're like this couple you know they've tried everything under the sun they went to swingers clubs too uh they even tried having sets um with you know the same sets her with another woman and i'm sure him with another man so i'm sure they've tried all these different like fetishes and kinks and everything under the sun uh to the point where it just becomes kind of like numb and void and when this crash happens, uh, they were able to find other people who have the late minds of theirs, especially, you know, with the Holly Hunter character and the Roseanne Arquette character as well. And they're able to find like this a family because when you uh, have a significant partner, you know, who has, you know, fantasies like that, that's great. But if you can find a whole community and people that you can talk to about it, I mean, that becomes a much more bigger thing because then they have a family. And even though this family unit uh, may not work for a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people who watch this movie will say that it's um, disturbing 
and it's not healthy. Everything all these characters do are in consent of each other. I mean, all the yeah. sets that happens between these adults, it's consent. Um, no one is forcing their power on anyone else. Uh, and they hone their own sexuality, which I think is great, um, especially when it comes to the Roseanne Arquette character, um, who is disabled. She's physically disabled, uh, but yet she has such a strong sense of her sexuality that is just absolutely great, especially that sequence when they're at the car shop. Oh, God, that scene. <laughs> and the car dealer... And she's going to the car, she's like, I'm stuck. And she knows exactly what she's doing. I mean, she's oh, yeah, totally, totally she taking advantage of that situation they're too. And she loves the power dynamic because most of the time when you see people who are disabled, you think you have power over them. Oh, yeah. But yeah, in that sequence, she... Complete role reversal. Oh, yeah, totally. Complete role reversal right there. I just thought that was absolutely great that she does take control of that guy. And I think the guy knows that he's can take control but he enjoys it a little bit and yeah which is my dude because i am also a sub as well so yes i would just and come on though being dominated by rosanna arquette fuck yes any any time any any day yes she could wear those uh that late brace and she could have that scar in her late too and ask me to fuck that (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a sequence where uh, Jane Spare's character does fuck a scar in yep. Rosanna Arquette's leg. And uh, I know that uh, during the commentary, uh, David Cronenberg was talking to a film critic who watched the movie, and the film critic's like, it's kind of funny how you made me believe that he was having sex with her open wound, but it actually wasn't in Cronenberg's like. I I think you better go back and watch the movie because that's what happens. And yeah. he's like, oh my God, it is. I just didn't want to believe that it was actually happening because that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <clears throat> that, that Every scene with every individual character, they have all such distinct personalities and um, power. I guess that's, that's maybe a good way to choose it. Roseanne Arquette's character is beyond, beyond powerful with what she knows she has and carries around, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then even so, I mean, I think, well, I think James Spader is supposed to kind of represent the, every character, or or like the avatar, or like the, what do you call that in movies where the main character is supposed to represent the audience? Yeah. um, Yeah, I forget what that term is, but yeah, I would say... A little bit, for sure, because <clears throat> we're kind of seeing the film through his eyes mm-hmm. more than anything else. Although, us as the characters, because we don't carry around that maybe, well, some of us might carry around that level of kink that, that they have as their, as their motivator and their driver of sex, that it's still, it's still filtered through uh, James Spader's last James Ballard's uh, whole introduction and vision into this this new world that he now he can't get enough of yeah oh, i thought and, oh. i thought it was interesting the the tag line for this film when it came out was the most controversial film you will ever see and i i guess i could see the whole controversial film angle just because 
I'm sure a lot of people, when they hear about this movie, uh, they are just trying to get into their mindset that this is the movie about people who get into car crashes and then just, what a fuck. And that's all the movie is, just car crash and then sets. Car crash sets. Crashing while fucking. Crashing amongst fucking. Cars fucking each other while <laughs> people crash. And that's just going to be the thing here, all right? Um, like transformer level. Like the cars are going to transform and grow dick and vaginas and, you know, and dick and anuses and just start fucking and whatnot. And that's all it's like going to be. Transformers. It's like cars. It's like Pixar's cars that are fucking. That's 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 all it is. All right. The 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 dirty version of cars. That's that's all it's gonna be. Don't put it past that. That will probably you know. I'm pretty sure they'll make a version of that soon. Um, But it's more of like a story about um, a couple who were not meant. It was about a married couple who were going further and further apart. Because I mentioned before in the movie, when it starts, uh, she is having sex with another guy at an air carrier, an airfield. And she's and he's having sex with one of his editors on this. He actually, uh, James Spears' character works um, as a director for like, these car commercials, these car ads, and he's having sex with one of his editors. And they're describing to each other having sex yeah. with other people. So there, there, there are a couple that's coming further and further apart. See, and I, I don't know if I agree with they're you. They're coming together, one. but they're coming together as a couple yeah, see, as the movie yes, progresses. Yes. So, yeah, so that's where I don't know if I agree with. I, I okay. somewhat agree with the fact that I think it does bring them close together. But this is this is fully, fully intentional. They, they, they do this because I don't think they I think they are looking for something. Right. But I think their love is pretty deep through this whole film. Like they 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 just know that they need to stretch their boundaries. Eventually, they're going to, you know, get into uh, if they didn't make it into Crash, they were going to make it into Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Right? Like <laughs> yes. They, 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 they just haven't found their kink yet. And they and they're happy about that. Like they allow themselves to live in an open relationship mm-hmm. to be able to bring the best of what they find outside back into their own relationship. Oh, okay. I, <clears throat> so That's... I never took it, yeah, I never took it that way that they weren't connected. Oh. I, I took it as they were very connected. That's, that's a fair analogy of that too. Um, I just, it felt for me like watching it um, that they didn't feel like they were like communicating more with each other, but maybe they were because, you know, they have a very open relationship and I know a lot of people who have open relationships where they can be with other people and still come together and they're like like the main unit right there. So yes, I I will agree on that. Uh it's sort of like I I never said that it's it was bad that they're having sex with other people, but I thought through all the course of this movie they were able to like find like one thing that they can sort of like latch on to and yeah, I think they connect just with that. I think they're just on a journey together. Sure. Right? That's that's why I took it. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, after this thing is, you know, done, they'll probably come on to another thing. They may want to have sets jumping out of airplanes or... Well, I mean, that takes you to the sort of the, the last line in the film, right? Where it's like, this is going to take it to the end for them. They're not going to have to find something else. 
do you think that they are because everyone always says that I guess um, when you die that's you know also kind the of a big rush the big orgasm yeah, the, the big O orgasm yeah the big O yeah sure I think that's what they're that's what they're both trying to achieve now right it's like it's I we okay this I mean this movie is yeah, 1990 no, right can, like, yeah we can we can spoil the shit out of it yeah, well so I don't, I don't think line. the last line doesn't really spoil anything in my opinion. Yeah, it's just a, it's a super tasty cherry on the top of this motherfucking cake, right? Like it's just, it's the, it's like the last line, eyes wide shut. Yeah, it's it's uh, I forget the direct quote. From I it, I do remember it. Okay, he, attaboy. Uh, he says to her, maybe the next one. Yeah, so it's like she she literally just has a car crash. She's she's scarred up. She's you know looks like she's you know dead on the side of the road, and you know <laughs> of course they have to have sex because she just crashed, but. Um, yeah, it's it's like it ends with that note that you know what we're gonna get there together, mm-hmm. and it's just like true love. We're just like oh, it's yeah. like the happiest. It's, I don't like romance stories very much, but this is like this is my romance story. Oh, hundred percent. No, and I, I like the fact too that each character, uh, both James and Deborah Carter's character, which I cannot remember for the life of me. What the hell? And I had to look She's Catherine Ballard. Catherine. She's James Ballard, yeah. James Ballard. Uh, I do like the fact, too, that even uh, James and Vaughn um, get together in some scenes. And I think their sequences together are pretty great, especially the moment when uh, Vaughn mm-hmm. picks up a, uh, a prostitute and drives around. And also the sequence, too, where both uh, Vaughn and Catherine... Uh, have sets in a car wash while James oh, that, drives. That scene, yeah, that's that scene is is probably the most erotic scene in any movie ever. The fact of the metaphors and 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 looking at how the car wash cleaning this car is like cleaning her soul. It's just it's just so 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 amazing. Like. The way the yeah, I, the car is like entering the car wash, yes, kind of like then, very much metaphor the bristles, over this. The brushes of the the car wash just and the and the dripping oozing soap as it the goes wetness of it and everything. Yeah, yeah it's, like it's it's insane. It's like I, and, I swear, like right when the car is like kind of going through the brushes, that's when Vaughn uh, inserts his fingers into her pussy. Yeah, it's just like everything on that. I don't know how he like how Cronenberg has this ability to always create the perfect shot from every single scene. Like, oh. how, how how did he like he must have storyboarded the shit out of this? He must have went through that car wash a thousand times before he he had every shot edited the way it was. Like, it was just there are like a lot of like great sequences. Uh, you mentioned before when they were uh, in. Vaughn's house and the shot of all of them grabbing each other's junk. Yeah. On the chair. I love the shot of her hand coming up on the car seat uh, yeah. after the car wash that scene and her hands are filled with his jism. Yes, and she wipes it on the car, yeah, because that was her thing too when they were having sex prior. She was like, I bet you that car smells like semen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, oh, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so she was like, she was just marking her territory, right? Like, it was, it was like, yeah, I've been here. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's funny that like 
um, Holly Hunter in oh, particular. Yeah, that she's, God, that talk she's about even, her. Yeah, like, like, oh. the fact that she's in this film, she begged Cronenberg to be in one of his films. Like, And I don't know where she fell in love with Cronenberg, but she begged him to be in one of his films. And he says, okay, well, if you want if you Like, I almost see Cronenberg as this, like, devil's advocate of everything that's ever happened ever anywhere and it's like holly hunter who you know we think of the movies she's made so before this she was in a movie called home for the holidays like that's a PG, yes a pg rated oh. movie she and goes from she goes from that to the, probably the, her first se- uh nude scene in her entire life not only that too but you know i remember her from like race in arizona yes and then she won the oscar for the piano Yes. Prior she's to this. In, she's in, like, mainstream stuff. Like, how she went from, like, the girl next door. Always. Like, she's in these movies that you're, like, she's the most, she's, like, the girl next door, Miss Purity. She's your mom. And she, yeah. And then, so, she begs, she begs Cronenberg to be in his, his films. And, and what does he do? He puts her in Crash. And the first movie that she's ever had a nude scene in. But his, his, his perception, like... Every single shot, um, I read somewhere about this, that every single nude scene that he did for this movie, he would show the dailies to each cast, and he would say he wanted them to make sure that they were perfectly comfortable with the looks of their body and how it was every day. So it was like they knew they they were in complete buy-in the entire process, and they were all in for it. I know that, you know, I've read or saw interviews um, said that Holly Hunter got the script for Crash and wanted to be a part of it right away because she just wanted to work, like you said before, she wanted to work with Cronenberg for so long. And what made Crash different from other movies that do have sexuality and nudity in it is that uh, these are, you know, intelligent uh, writers and actors and characters be involved with this. It's not just showing tits and ass for no other purpose besides just showing tits and ass. There's like there's a purpose of showing yeah. the nudity, and it's never gratuitous. And I know when I first watched this movie at a young age of like 17, 18 years old, I was watching it just because I want to see some tits yeah, and ass. Yeah, I was yeah, like, bro, exactly. yeah, bring it on, baby. All right, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you, Holly Hunter naked and Roseanne Arquette and yeah, just, oh, bring that all on. Uh, but watch now more like adult eyes and whatnot. There is more, something else there. There is the characters uh, trying to improve their station in life a little bit. And they have a fetish that they just want to grow with and see. And I don't, I'm not quite sure. I think it is maybe the thrill of the anticipation of the crash that turns these characters on. And just having just someone that's like outside of yourself a little bit. And that involvement. Because I remember uh, driving on icy roads one year. Uh, I got into a car wreck with this other woman. And that moment of impact, it's very scary. Uh, there's a sense of excitement. Being the fact that you've lived through something. 
Yeah. And I think, uh, especially when this came out in the 90s, you know, I'm pretty sure the whole nature of, like, safe sets was involved. But anytime you did have sets with someone, you know, in the 90s, especially, like, with STDs and all that stuff, you're kind of, like, taking a risk when having sets. Mm-hmm. And maybe the car crash is maybe kind of the metaphor of that. Like, you're just kind of taking the risk of having something intimate with someone. I don't know. I'm... They didn't really outside the box there with that, but I just and I know that moment I had with that woman that had in the car. I mean, it wasn't sex, but it was still kind of like a small little like intimate thing where both our cars were involved in something that's just like not really planned. And maybe that's what attraction is sometimes. Like you kind of like align with someone else there. You're not quite sure how is this Shared person attracted to me. Yeah, no. shared experiences, right? Like, no one else has that experience but you two, right? Like, yeah, that you were in a situation that no one else can ever say, I understand what happened or I understand how you felt or how it was, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and here's a question for you. Oh, though. sure, yeah. Um, so do you think, okay, so Holly Hunter's character in this, she knows Vaughn, she knows yep. him. But like in my opinion, before, before, Spader and her have the accident. So here's a question for you, and maybe you know this. I'm not sure if you read the book. Or I have read I the book, but it's been a long time since I read the book. Okay, so so I wonder if the the car accident that she had with Spader's character yep. was planned. Like oh. like her 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 husband wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Right now, I know in the late '90s, but in the late '90s, seat belts were still required. Like it yeah. was, it was required. So he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, and the fact that she instantly went from "I'm in a car crash" to showing my nipple, right? It was like, huh? It made me think through the whole this this time of watching, and I was like, wait a minute, maybe that was her uh, living out one of her in her scenes, and she, it's never talked about. But it, it it planted that seed in my head this time watching it because I'm like, okay, well she knew Vaughn, and and so she she knew what kind of things he was into and what he did. So maybe and she was like when Spader's character got introduced to it, she was already in the group. See, I always thought that she joined the group just slightly before James did. Right. Um, so how how so- could she then? How could she join that group? If well, she I thought she joined experience? the group like just like after that crash, like yeah. But I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty like they're both in the hospital, sort of together. Yeah, they're actually at the hospital together when they're they're both out, and then he almost like it goes. He's still, you know. But Vaughn talks like, to. How did she get? her first right doesn't Vaughn talk to her first in the hospital before he talks to James? And at that point too, we're thinking that Vaughn is just we don't know about him doing uh the group set stuff or even the car crashes you know he he we just think at that moment that he's working at the hospital yes yeah or he's a photographer he's a crime photographer yeah we don't know yeah that's spader's uh oppression of it but that's just what i mean is like how how long has she been a part of it because you don't know right like 
Yeah. Was it full intent? Like, did have they, you know, like go? I'm thinking deeper conspiracy theory, right? But do you it, think I mean, that? Do you think that uh, her and her husband was part of this like that's kind of what for I was a while, thinking. Yeah, and yeah. maybe well, he just wanted yeah. to get out of it and was kind of just done and yeah. But well, no, not like that's just it. All, I think every single person in that group, they they want to push themselves to get the big O, right? So even. Um, when Vaughn, that one car crash where he, um, uh, Catherine Ballard's character gets out and is walking through the wreckage and they find out it's their buddy. Yes. Right? So that scene, he's like, he's like, he's like, you bastard, you did it. Right? Like he did, you know, he, he did the Jane Mansfield um, car crash without him. And it's kind of like, it's like he's, he's kind of jealous. He's jealous that he was able to, to do it. It's like they're shooting for that big... They want to die in that way. And so maybe Holly Hunter's husband had finally got his, his big O, right? Yeah. It's, that uh, that's Jim, um, that is a very – I just never thought of that before. That That is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I like thinking that these characters, you know, I know they do, but I don't know if I want to believe that these characters want to die, even though it's plainly right there – yeah, for my face, end. that it's, they it's, it's it, right? that they really just want to try to find the ultimate orgasm, the ultimate and death is the ultimate orgasm right there, and just because uh, you know, they say that every time you know you reach orgasm, you like your your soul leaves your body for a little bit, and you're just trying to push yourself out there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's a that's I'm not arguing with that at all. Um, <laughs> You're gonna have to digest that. A little I will bit. have to digest that too because <sighs> this is a movie that's very unlike a lot of Cronenberg like, films, uh, unless you tell like you no know, maybe yeah. Dead Ringers um, and yeah. uh, Cosmopolis so, and Dead Ringers uh, is actually my my buddy Bryce's favorite Cronenberg film. Oh, nice. Yeah, he he loves that film. That's his that's his jam. That that's one. his jam, and also maybe like uh, I I also Nathan Lunch is another one that. That one's, it's funny, it's one of my least favorite of his, but it's still a movie, it's kind of one of those things, like, every single one of his movies, in my opinion, everybody has to see once, because yes. I think it, it it changes you as a person, but seeing that that movie the first time, and it could have been I was in the in the wrong headspace, I've only seen it once. Okay. So I kind of have to go back and watch it, because... Um, I'm going to reread the book, I'm going to read the book first. Before yeah, watching it again, I think that's a good advice. I think that's good advice. Because I remember, I know I've said because I mentioned about uh, Nathan Lunch because everyone said that Nathan Lunch cannot be adapted into a book, and he did. And they said the same thing to with Crash. You can't really adapt Crash into a book. Um, and I think that David Cronenberg did a really great job adapting J.G. Ballard's book and. J.G. Ballard also wrote Empire of the Sun. Yeah, this is pretty funny, eh? Like That movie from Steven Spielberg with the young yeah, Christian yeah. Bale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he makes this book. And I've I read the book. It's been several years since I've read the book. But I do remember that both movies are, both the book and the movie are good versions of themselves. And even J.G. Ballard himself has said that the movie is a much... Uh, he said that the movie is a much better version of my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I thought that was funny. Than my book was. Because uh, I think what David Cronenberg does, uh, 
because when you have a book, you have like a lot of like internal monologue that the characters say, and you get to know more about them through that. Uh, but what Cronenberg does is he just visualizes that. Oh, so all the yeah, internal like, monologue, he just goes ahead and visualizes, and it was absolutely a perfect thing, and I loved it for that. Uh, let's talk real briefly about uh, Elias Cortez as as Vaughn. Hold, hold on a second. Can we just go back for a second? So, oh, sure, yeah. You, ha, have, have you heard anything about whether or not Burroughs saw Cronenberg's Naked Lunch? Because he died, I believe, after that one was made. I don't, like, he would have had the remember. opportunity to see it. Oh, gosh. Right? Because, interesting to think, because I, I would have thought the same thing, because I read, um, I think I had to read Naked Lunch in high school. And so, I'm like... Hmm. Like, I'm, I'm curious... I don't as know to now. Whether or not he actually saw it, right? Like, it'd be interesting to know that, whether or not Burroughs thought this was good. Well, I do know that, you know, J.G. Ballard was with... Cronenberg and cast and crew during the Cannes Film Festival and, you know, Q&A. And it's really kind of fascinating uh, just because it's really kind of funny. Um, all of the actors and producers and directors uh, replies to questions that the press have asked because I guess in, when the movie premiered, there are walkouts. Uh, even before the movie was shown, uh, I do know that a lot of like press in the UK and other places were really trying to get this movie banned. And they really thought the movie was offensive to a whole bunch of people. They tried to say the movie was offensive uh, to the mentally handicapped. Uh, I guess they even tried to say the movie was offensive uh, to homosexuals. And, um, and each time that the press... Uh, tried to say something that was wrong about the movie, uh, both the cast and the crew come back like, well, no, and they explain things in a very uh, articulate way, and it was absolutely just brilliant the way that that was handled. Because this, this movie was like kind of a difficult subject matter, and if you don't have the author involved and the director involved to calmly explain things... It's going to feel lost. And I feel like it's a perfect thing to watch after you watch the movie. Uh, because this is a movie that's not going to really be for everyone. Because, and I don't know if you agree with this too, Jim, but when people watch a lot of movies, they um, kind of like look at, they try to like almost see things in their own headspace. They don't look pat. They, they try to see things on like an actual storyline level, like an actual plot level, like the basic plot level without yeah. really kind of seeing the, because when most people watch the movie, they'll be like, oh, well, these guys get into car wreck and they start getting horny around each other. And it's just, I think one crit said, this movie, having a movie that has all set scenes is not a movie. And Cronenberg's saying, well, no, the story is in the set scenes. You just have to, like, look at it. But most people, when they see sets in movies, that's all they're going to see. They're going to see just the mechanics of sets. Yeah. Well, and some of them, though, like, half the time when I watch a movie and there's a sex scene, I'm going, why is the sex scene in the movie? Like, are they putting sex scene in there to sort of grasp the, you know, I want to say the teenage boy 
passion, right? Because hardly ever is it a, a scene that women are going to watch and go, hey, that was worth that scene, right? Like it's, it's always from a male's viewpoint most times, so it's very rare unless a female director takes over the project. It, it, it's kind of just in there. It's like, why is this made for teenage boys? Whereas, <clears throat> like I'm really hypercritical of that when I watch a movie and I go, okay, that sex scene was not even important. It's like, it, it made no sense. Whereas this, it was like, yeah, it's, the, it's part of the story. It is the story. It's interwoven into the story. Because we're seeing, we're seeing the growth of these characters through the sexual interactions that they have. Uh, uh, characters when James has sex with the Holly Hunter character, or he gets involved with the Elias Cortez character, you know, each sequence kind of like, or grows, or even the sequence with him and Rosanna Arquette's character, uh, each sequence kind of grows that person even more. Um, and I know when I listened to the commentary with uh, David Cronenberg, he mentioned about the set scene with uh, James Spader and Elias Cortez, and he said it was this moment that a lot of people walked out of the theater because most guys, when they watch this movie, they are putting themselves in the James Spader's character, and when he starts... Uh, having sets with uh, Vaughn, they're like, oh, no, I can't handle that. I mean, I can handle have him going with the Holly Hunter character and whatnot, but you put him with another man, no, 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 I just, uh, they just get really uncomfortable, and their girlfriends want to stay and watch. Um, but everything was just kind of done, and I can see the progression, you know, he's tried it with these other girls in cars and thinking, you know, uh, Vaughn's very much a strong guy, and there's that sequence where both uh, um, Deborah Kerr Unders' character and James Bear's character, they're describing having sets with the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, <clears throat> I don't, so, I guess, maybe my vision of it isn't, like, um, isn't, like, I didn't, I didn't look at it as saying that Spader's character, like, it was so fluid the way it happened. It's kind of like, keeping like, in mind, this movie came out before a significant amount of um, discussion around people's um, sexual orientation, right? And mm -hmm. and where things are at. So, that, again, Cronenberg's ahead of society in putting things out there that the, the, the sex part was not man-woman. The sex part wasn't man-man. Like, obviously you think that Spader's character is heterosexual, but it's the, the sex part in it is not necessarily the, the actual sex between a man and a man. It's just, it's part of the evolution of his character. That mm -hmm. it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter that it's, it, yeah, it does matter that it's Vaughn, but it doesn't matter that it's a man on man. It's, no, it's, it's just because they, they, they're both in a shared experience sharing that moment and were able to go through that. They became so intertwined into the whole scene that it just becomes so natural. Like to me, it was like, okay, this is, this is a beautiful scene. Like I didn't, I mean, I'm. And that happens I'm like, probably, you know, after he has sets or after Vaughn has sets with Catherine and James is watching it. And James yeah. is thinking, you know what? Well, my wife has been involved with this other man. I want to know what that in involvement is like a little bit. I want to be closer to my wife because of that a little bit. And like you mentioned before, you know, the, I guess the gender of the person doesn't really, doesn't seem to really matter. No. 
to this. No, I don't group. think it's. Yeah, it's 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 irrelevant. It's really irrelevant to the entire story. Mm -hmm. The you know, it, it's kind of like we can uh, go backwards in time where we talk. I'm sure it was intentional for Cronenberg to push boundaries, but. Yeah, again, when you hear interviews with Romero specifically about putting a black lead in Night of the Living Dead, right? It's mm -hmm. like, well, he was the best actor. It's like, no, this was this was the character that had to have sex with him. So it's it just happens to be man on man, whatever. It's yeah. irrelevant, really. It it had to happen. So to your point, I also agree. I think again, back to my point about these two lovers who are married is that they want to continually bring things back into their relationship as a shared experience. So it was, it was, it was eventually going to happen. If it hadn't happened already, then it was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, I think we mentioned, do you have like just one favorite moment of this movie, the movie that the moment that you really, if you had to show like one sequence of this movie and be like, all right, this is crash to someone who doesn't really understand crash. What would you show them? Wow, that's that's really tough because I think there was really powerful scenes throughout. I think the the car wash scene is definitely one because of, uh, but then it's not necessarily reminiscent necessarily of Crash. I think if I had to say that that would definitely the car crash scene was was up or the um, the actual car wash scene is up there. But I would have to say the scene with Roseanne Arquette. And James Spader at the at the car. Oh, the car uh, dealer place. Car yes. dealer scene. Yes. The scene with Arquette getting in and out of that car is oh. is probably to me the scene that sort of depicts this movie. It, yet there's no there's no actual physical sex happening, but the actual sexual tension and power oh. that happens in that scene where she tears the leather on the seat oh. is just. It's just like it's like, and they're they're oblivious to Hurst. the wreckage that they are causing for this guy who works in a car dealership. The, is, is to me the moment when she you know bends over that car and says, "This is this excites me," is like you know like one gif I would show people. They're like, "What's Crash about?" I want to show them just that one image of yeah. Rosanna Cat bending over car, hugging it, and saying. This excites me. Yes, that exactly like it's. But that's that's it. That's, it. that's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> if this movie entreats you to watch it, this sequence entreats you to watch it, then watch it. That and the other sequence. But this sequence, I can't really post this on any social media because I'll get banned. Is the cum the cum covered hands? Yeah, the on the car seats. Hands. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good scene too. Those are like my it. two moments right there, like the two yeah. images in my head that will always kind of my mind is and yeah. like i said before this is a movie that when you watch it each time you're going to get a different type of experience oh. with it which i oh. love the most about cornerbridge films and that's the reason why i need to rewatch dead rangers again because that's the movie i wasn't too fond of the first time i watched it oh. but as i and same thing too with nathan lunch nathan lunch I had to watch it a couple times before i appreciated that and i'm so glad i own the criterion version of crash because this is a movie that I will watch again and show other people this just because I want to see what their reactions are to this because their reaction the first time watching it will be like mine. We're like, uh, didn't quite understand it, but it was cool to look at. 
And then as I watched it again, you get more into the character's headspace and everything. And now after talking to you about this movie, Jim, especially when you said about the end, these characters trying to reach, you know, their ultimate death and reach their ultimate orgasm, uh, that's not something I really picked up so much. So. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, it's funny when you say this is a movie you can't necessarily show to everybody. Yeah. Well, no, but it's like I, in my opinion, I, these are the films that I want everybody to watch because I, 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 again, back to my earlier comment, I like to stretch people's viewpoint. I, I, um, I go to see movies for growing as a person. Like, <clears throat> it's very rare that I go to a cinema. I'd say 95% the movies I choose to see are 100% based on me growing as a person, as a better person, or expanding me. The other 5% is the genre type of films that I like that I'm going there to be entertained. So it's very rare that I go to the cinemas to be entertained. I'm mostly going there to, to for selfish reasons, to become a better person and expand my um, my knowledge and, and just grow as a person. So, yeah, this is one of those films that, you know, if people come out of it and they go, this is the most disgusting film I've ever seen, I'm like, well, you need, maybe we need to move you to a, a lesser version of of a movie. Like, this may, may be further past. Like, perhaps people have to yeah. evolve. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, how did you and I get to this point for us where this movie is so, we're so passionate about? Well, <clears throat> if we came out, <laughs> okay, imagine this as a young a young boy, you know, we we went from watching, say, uh, Pinocchio, Walt Disney's Pinocchio, and then the next movie we watched was David Cronenberg's Crash. Oh, sure. Do you, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. People, people's film passion and tastes have to evolve. But if people continually just choose to be entertained, I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing them because, you know, people deserve to have whatever they want. Like, I believe, love what you want. And if this movie is going to, is going to make people hate things because they can't understand or can't. But but to me, that makes them a, a close individual person. But I, I see a lot of people that just choose films to be entertained, and they, yeah. they go to see films, to, to maybe to your point earlier, to put themselves in a position where they are seeing themselves in the character. Like, I want, to, like, I want the people that picked Top Gun Maverick as their favorite film this year to watch something like Crash to go... Because they, they see the movie Top Gun Maverick and they see, you know, I wish I was Tom Cruise and I could drive an air jet. And this is why I'm thinking that they're thinking. Oh, sure. Whereas, I, I would imagine someone watches, you know, uh, Top Gun to have them watch, you know, Eyes Wide Shut and see a different version of Tom Cruise maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So. Or, yeah, you know what I mean? But, but you know, for me, I, I thought Top Gun Ma well, Top Gun Maverick was my actual worst movie I saw last sure. year because I thought it was – it was terrible. Like every single 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 thing about it was terrible for me. So, but you know, agree to disagree again, on that. But that's for yeah. another time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do know we're coming close to the end of this conversation we're having on Crash, just because I have nothing else to really say about it. But I just want to get from you, Jim. Uh, what would you grade this film out of? Like, let's say out of Five um, Rosanna Arquette's, I guess, bra late braces. 
<laughs> well, it would definitely get five out of five Roseanne Arquette leg braces for sure. Nice. 100%. And, and then this is all... give us like your last like, thoughts about this movie for our audience. Um, I, I would say with most Cronenberg films, I would say that when you go to a Cronenberg film, go there knowing that you're going to be a different person when you leave the cinema. And this one is definitely one of those ones. Yes. hundred percent. I'm going with five late braces as well. Uh, this is a movie that will indeed challenge you um, more than maybe a lot of the films do. And I think films that are called controversial are done so because they maybe challenge the way you think. I just recently rewatched Possession with Sam Neill. Um, and that's a movie, if you've never seen it before, Jim, that is a movie that is also very kind of challenging as well. And it's brilliantly acted, even though some people may say it's over the top. Uh, Crash kind of feels like the same way, but Crash's performance of everyone kind of having been somewhat stilted may turn people off a little bit. Uh, but I still think it's a good movie to watch, um, good movie for couples or by yourself, and it's fun to see a movie that just takes chances, and it's bold, and it's daring, and it's new. Uh, so yes, thank you again, Jim, um, for coming on here. Before we do go, is there anything coming up on the Film Rage podcast that you want to promote? Uh, nothing new. Usually we're we're always seeing new releases that come to cinema and um, and festivals uh, that we're involved with. So there's a movie that we had um, just recently viewed, which we're going to be reviewing on our upcoming podcast. So depending on when this this episode comes out, well, I'll let you know. This will you know premiere to our our Patreon users most likely next week, and then it probably won't be available for regular listeners for about maybe two to three weeks later. Uh, okay, so when people hear this, uh, we have at that point we will have reviewed a movie called Skinamarink. Love you. That's exactly what it is, except it's nothing like that. Oh it's, really? Oh, okay. It's it's again one of those movies that it will change you as a person after seeing it. Ooh. That's all I would say. Okay. Yeah, so, I like that. And it's 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 I I'm not sure if it's having a major release. This was had it's coming on Shudder. Oh okay. It's, it's um oh well there you, you have me yeah shutter is also where i saw possession so yeah well that was the where i saw possession for the yeah. second time because nice. i saw it first in cinemas but oh uh the um the uh the movie was made for fifteen thousand dollars and it it kind of feels that way but it's if you if you get a chance go online look at the trailer for skinamarink and uh we were lucky enough to see it with calgary underground film fest at in the cinemas at a packed house and it's like you could you could literally hear a pin drop through the entire movie not one person made a sound not oh, one damn. person made a sound this entire movie no that's on yeah. that's Jim that sounds pretty awesome man all right uh before i go I always got to do this every episode. I give a quick little shout out to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. Again, patreon.com slash pod. These are people who give us money and we love them dearly. So I'm giving them love on the show. So special shout outs right now to uh, Chris Revel 
of Let's Chat with Chris Revel. I got to give a shout out to Mr. Jason Soto from Rabbit Hole Podcast. Thank you. Got to say thank you to Jeanette Maitland-Ham from ATH Jeanette. Uh, got to thank Danny Roberts, uh, who wrote the book, The Deep Sea Anthology. He's on Twitter at Unreal Goals. I got to thank Linda Castro of Bed Knobs and Broom Flits. Got to thank Matt Nashley of Mashley at the Movies. I uh, got to thank um, oh, Harvey Andrus, who is the guitar player for Mine and Ashley's band, You're at Girlfriend. And lastly, got to thank Jen, Lydia, and Naomi of Shots and Applaud. Thank you very much for our Patreon users. If you're a Patreon user, you would get this full episode way ahead of everyone else. It's uh, patreon.com slash cinema recall pod. Um, big shout out to uh, Jim for being here. Um Cut this off a little bit earlier because I know my uh, roommate that I live with has a band and he wants to start jamming out soon, so I gotta try to end this fast. But Jim, thank you ever so much, man, for being here. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, <clears throat> I'm always happy to come back and enjoy some Cinema Recall podcast. Well, you, you'll come back again? Oh, yeah, man. I'll come back All right, man. All right, well, now hopefully, maybe one of these days I can maybe come on to the Film Rage podcast and rage out with you guys. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, we <clears throat> it's usually tough to find people who will do everything we ask of them when we have <laughs> oh, an episode, with... but I have a feeling that you could probably do it because the level of film love that you have. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you on, buddy. All right, man. Well, again, thank you very much, buddy, and have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.